0: Hannah Nieves here of the Thrive Society podcast. And today I'm interviewing Kate Scudder. Thanks so much for being here. Hannah, thanks so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Likewise. So tell the audience a little bit about who you are, what you do, who you serve.
1: Absolutely. So I'm so happy to be on here with you guys. Uh, My name, as Hannah said, is Kate Scudder. I am a business coach and success mentor for Driven Women Entrepreneurs. So my jam is helping women really dial into their zone of genius and use it to build a multiple six figure plus profitable purpose driven empire i am all about you know the marriage of what happens when we really drop into our ability to generate fuck tons of income. I hope I can swear on your podcast. So with, um, I should have asked you about that before with really like a heart centered mission and an impact that is so much bigger than us. I've been really jamming out recently, Hannah, on this concept of, you know, our businesses being so much bigger than we are and thinking mm-hmm. about what happens if we don't actually put our magic out there, put our stuff out there, take the risk to be seen, like all of the lives that don't get to get transformed. And that for me is really what lights me up. So, so yeah, the buzzwordy seven-figure business coach, Forbes feature, mm-hmm. blah blah, all of that's great and fine. Um, but the thing that really lights me up is being an agent of change and and helping women to transform their lives, their families, their financial realities, and to be able to create so much change in the worlds that they're in. So good.
0: So good. I can feel that. So your story is so unique. I love your background on how you got to where you are now um, and when you started, but can you walk us through a little bit how you got into the space? Because you have a very unique story.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll give you the fast version because it takes, <laughs> honestly, um, it was not an overnight success for me. I started uh, my background. My professional background is in education. So I have a master's in, mm. in education and I really, you know, have been this like very driven type A person from the beginning, very ambitious, very goal oriented, you know, right after graduating from a prestigious college, went right on to get my master's right after that, got right into teaching. And I was a school teacher for a couple of years and loved a lot of it. You know, I love like curriculum design and course creation. That's, that's part of what I love the most about what I do now, um, as well as, you know, working with students and clients. But I quickly realized like, okay, I am not meant to do this work in the world, like inside of a classroom, something has to change. And I quit my job, um, which was freaking terrifying. I had just turned 26. So it was off my parents' health insurance. And I was like, shit, what am I going to do? Um, and, um, and also really had this pull towards leadership and women's work and supporting women, um, outside of, you know, a traditional corporate or, or educational setting. And so I went to Bali in 2015 for a women's leadership immersion training. It was a 500 hour yoga teacher training with a focus on, on women's Mm -hmm. leadership. And I was like, yes, this is the thing. And long story short, went for the yoga fell in love two days later on the beach, literally guys like manifested my husband on the beach. Now my baby daddy. And uh, it's, it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's possible. It's real. It's freaking insane that that is my story, but it is. Um, and anyway, I ended up moving to Bali In uh the very end of twenty fifteen, beginning of twenty sixteen, to live with Toby and to figure out my next steps because I had left my teaching career. I didn't know what I wanted to do next. I had a little, little tiny bit of money saved. I was like Spanish tutoring via Skype, like advertising in Craigslist in my own town. Like I did not go to Bali and be like, Woo, I'm rolling in the money. Like Mm -hmm. I was figuring shit out. And um actually, Hannah, I'm I'm super real about this part of my story. In the middle of twenty 2016. It was like crisis mode for me. I literally bought a ticket home. I um, wrote Toby. I left my engagement ring at his house. I like was like, I need to leave. I need to end this. And I think that this, Oh, I'm like getting teary just thinking about this. Um, but I I think that, you know, the moments that we have as entrepreneurs or as human beings, where we're so close to having the thing that we want, but there's so much fear that comes up of, can I really do this? Mm -hmm. Can I really have this? And I hadn't even started a business yet. Right. But I was just thinking about, is this going to be possible for me? I'm running to like, I have barely any money left. Like I had enough money to fly home basically. And that was it. And I was like, I can't continue to do this. I have no idea what's going to come next. I know that, you know, this freedom lifestyle is possible when I was living there, I was obviously seeing that digital nomad scene and laptop lifestyle and thinking, okay, there's, there's a possibility for me to do this, but I have no idea what I would even do. And I had just started to like dip my toe in the water when all of this fear came over. And that fear almost caused me to walk away from my relationship. It almost caused me to Mm. leave Bali. It almost caused me to quit before I started. And I want you guys to hear this because I am sitting here now, like a seven figure business owner. And this was three and a half years ago. This was not that long ago. And um, had I listened to that, I would not be where I am today. And so, anyway, I really. Worked through that. Um, I had a lot of really good support working through that. Ended up staying, ended up leaning in, ended up getting a job, a JOB job, um, writing technical user documentation for a software company while living in Bali so that I could fund my life and figure stuff out. And it, so this was not a linear shot of like move to Bali, have the idea, make the money. It was very much a slow process of like believing that I could actually do something and then Mm -hmm. getting my finances in order so that I had the money to survive and, you know, not, not have to leave. And so that I could start to invest in my business. And so I just Mm -hmm. started to build up a little nest egg in end of 2016 started to hire my first, I hired my first mentor. Then I thought I wanted to make like a sarong line and Mm -hmm. kind of travel boho product company. And then I was like, you know what? No, this isn't actually what I want to do. Why am I hiding behind this? I want to put my face and put my name and put my words and put my content out there. This is really what I wanted to do. And this was like 2017 when I realized this. And Um, I joined a, I I invested much bigger in 2017, hired a mentor, like mapped out, okay, what would this coaching business really look Mm -hmm. like? Joined a mastermind. And then the very next, which was like a one month immersion in-person mastermind that just accelerated things. And then a month later I launched and I launched way before I felt ready. This was May of 2017, but I said, you know what? I'm going to find an excuse for this if I don't just put myself on the dance floor. And so that's mm-hmm. exactly what I did. Once I actually did it, I was in and I knew that I had to just keep putting one foot in front of the other. A couple months later, I quit my tech writing job, had replaced my corporate salary with what I was earning from coaching. And I scaled up to six figures within a year. And Forbes shortly picked up that story afterwards, and it's just so been good. a ride, Hannah, since then. Oh, so my gosh. That's the, that's the short version. Um, I hope that wasn't too long. It's so good, though. But
0: now you have a massive community. I mean, what, like over 20,000 people in this community that you've crea- created, correct? Yeah, it's over 30 now, actually. Crazy, crazy. And that's what I wanted to kind of dig into on this interview too, is like, you really talk about community a lot. And I want to talk about community, Facebook groups, all the things, because what you've done is just so incredible. So for those that are starting out and who are growing their business, but have a goal to create community, just like you do, what are some tips here um, that you can recommend before people go and start to create these types of communities?
1: Oh, such a good question. Okay. So there's a couple of things that I would say. The very first thing that comes to mind is love on your people. I don't care if your people are like your three besties that you went to high school with to start. Mm-hmm. If you are starting to put out content, first of all start putting out content that's like mm-hmm. ground zero but when people start to engage with the content that you create if you are fixated and focus on oh my god like my group only has 12 people or like oh i only have 243 followers like this is so stupid mm-hmm. or oh, like why who is that random person why are they engaging like you don't deserve frankly to have a community of thousands of people like if i have learned anything from not just growing a community but growing a very engaged community and a community mm. of women who buy the products and services and and um, resources that i put out there and that are engaged and that i actually feel like a connection with online like revolutionary right social media exists to make connections but mm-hmm. it, it is is because i pour into them and because i care and because i genuinely focus on what's the feeling like how does this person feel seen, feel heard, feel taken care of? And, mm, you know, so this good. is not to say that you are going to spend like your entire life commenting back in social groups. Okay. But what it does mean is that we need to be focused, as focused on the experience and the felt sense of belonging that we are giving to the people that are inside of our communities now before those numbers get big. And this is the paradoxical secret sauce of how we grow those numbers is because when you prioritize how people feel, They will come back and they will tell their friends, and the growth will start to become exponential. And all of a sudden, you'll realize, oh, wow, I was actually making, I was focusing on the wrong things. I was focusing on the hacks and the ads and the quick way to 10K followers. And when Mm -hmm. really, like, I needed to be focused on. How do these people feel inside of this group? Do they feel welcomed? And so practically, tactically, this is a philosophy in my company that we trickle down like in every level of the business. Like obviously prioritizing client and customer experience for our paying clients and customers and students is top priority, but it's also a top priority for us to make sure that, um, that we're responding to questions. So inside of the Facebook group, if like we have a Every single comment, every single question to the best of our ability gets responded to because we don't, We don't believe in just having people kind of like lingering there, you know, feeling awkward against the side of a wall. Like think about a party that you throw, right? What's the vibe? If you're the host of that party, like are you going to just let people who are kind of shifting in their place backs against the wall, awkward Mm -hmm. from side to side, stay there. Are you going to go over and say, Hey, I'm so glad you're here. Would you like one of these like cheese bites? Can I get you a drink? Like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's, that is kind of the vibe that I, really um, I just believe is is such a golden nugget and something you can start doing even if your audience is absolutely tiny mm-hmm. so that's a uh, you know a, a philosophy and a practice a business practice that is probably my number one tip of all um, some other really practical tips like I mentioned before put out content, let people know, like your people Mm -hmm. are going to rally around you based on the message that you share. And so one of the things that I have done super consistently from literally day one is had a message with some oomph behind it, had a message Mm. that showed what I stood for. My message is not uh, like, I am not the coach for everybody. If you don't like a a loud, Mm -hmm. um, you know, outspoken, not afraid to celebrate her wins, not afraid to fearlessly celebrate. The winds of the people around me, um, you know, like into playing small, into staying comfortable, my content is probably really gonna rub you the wrong way and it's not gonna be the right thing for you. But on the other side, like the women who are like, Oh my gosh, take me to church, Kate. Like <laughs> they know that they're going to get, you know, inspiration, they're going to get actionable tools and tips, they're going to get so much from the content that I put out and that has organically grown the mm-hmm. community that I have now. And so my my real advice for you guys is think about what are you here to say? What is your message? What's your battle cry? What's your rally cry? What do you want to build community around? Um, I teach this inside of one of my programs, Nail Your Niche, which is, and we cover this in the first module, which is really starting to think about the movement that you're creating. So beyond just like the programs or the services that you offer, like what's your movement? What's your message? And my whole message is about supporting and elevating women to take the risk to rise up. And, um, you know, obviously I do that in a bunch of different ways, but that's the, that's the rally cry and that's what will build your community.
0: That was so good. And I was actually going to ask you, like, you know, why is finding your zone of genius or your message important first before actually creating communities like this? Because I think that's so important. I think a lot of people think, okay, creating a Facebook community, we're going to have a larger pool for our funnel and then pack people in and then selling to, and I think that you're almost looking at it from the other, the wrong way when you really have to start from the core of like, what is your message and your movement? I love that.
1: 100%, love hundred percent. A hundred percent, right. Because if we're looking at how many people can 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 I pack in here like sardines to then sell to, Mm -hmm. we're we're missing again, that foundational step of connection, establishing relationships, rapport. And it's not just to have like a smooth, slick relationship to then sell into. It's really about, Hey, do I get my people? Do I even know what they want? Do I know what they Mm -hmm. need? Do I know why they're here? And we've got to listen. We've got to put our message out there, but we also have to listen and be in a conversation in order to really be able to know that.
0: So good. So good. So in terms of your Facebook group as a whole, do you have any tips on, I'm just going to kind of switch to the more masculine side of things on running operationally a Facebook group to make sure that you're able to get that message across very clearly. Do you have any tips on that side of the spectrum?
1: yeah a hundred percent so we have a couple of um systems inside of our group right now, so our group has i think today something like forty three forty four hundred something around that um super active and engaged group. there's a couple of things that I would say to get both the group building and the group momentum Mm -hmm. actually flowing. And one of those things is to set the rules that you have for your group. Like just like, you know, I imagine like any kind of institution or family, even Mm -hmm. like there's like, what are the house rules? What, how do we play inside of this house? What's the vibe? What's the energy? And Um, that's really kind of like our manifesto as a company for what, what those community guidelines actually are. And it helps inform how my team helps to manage that space in that Mm. community. So one of the ways that I operate that group is I share content into it all the time. Goodwill free content. Yes. I sell into my group, but I pour a hell of a lot into that group for free. And the reason again is because, and this is just like a marketing tip it, Mm -hmm. and you can take this and apply it to Facebook groups, apply it to Instagram, apply it to any platform apply it to your email marketing strategy, apply it to any platform that you're using. But if you are not pouring value, free value into your audience before they pay you a cent, why would they pay you, right? Like we need to to be giving our people value that gives them a transformation, that gives them a nugget, that gives them something implementable, actionable that they can see results from in order to, and be visible in doing that in order for them to be like, wow, I want to take the next step. Like that was cool. Imagine what I could do with 10 weeks or 12 months of her support. So I pour free content into that. And that's just one of our operational pieces. I don't know how deep you want me to go here, Hannah, but we have like a content strategy where um, my, my team and myself prepare mm. five pieces of content a week. Um, we distribute those into the group daily and I run a free training into the group as well. So every single week people are getting written, my community is getting written posts. They're getting um, a free live training with me. They're also getting updates about our podcast episode that drops every week. So there are like seven, minimum seven touch points of free, valuable content, live, new every single week, plus an archive of where they can go. Another operational kind of nitty gritty piece is that every Monday we have a welcome post. And this is something that, you know, if you guys have a group, I recommend writing this. You can join my group and see what we use. You can use it as a template, obviously modify it and make it your own, but we, we use this as a template. We share it every week for all of our new members to join. It welcomes them in. And it also tells them like, Hey, here's how to use this group. Here's how to connect. Here's how and we, we prioritize and we state like, this is the, you know, this is the business coaching framework that I, I jam with. This is what you can expect in this space. Here are the places to go. And we point them to the video resource catalog in there with literally dozens of hours of free training. We send them to, Hey, here's the podcast where you can listen to dozens and dozens of hours of free business training and conversations. Anyway, it just sends them, Mm -hmm. it basically traffic directs them to, this is where you can find the value here. And it also encourages, them with that energy of, you know, the more you pour into this group, the more that you're going to get out, build relationships, build connections and, you know, champion the other women in here and promote your stuff. And, and I, I allow promotion. My rules are very flexible. My, my biggest, you know, my only real rule is, um, you've got to give more value than you're just dropping Mm -hmm. links to your shit Um, because link dropping and piecing out, like, it's spammy and it doesn't work because mm-hmm. real, every sale is built on a relationship. And so the operational rules of my Facebook group really reflect the sales philosophy and practices that I hold and teach. Um, and you know, the best practices to, for getting those best results.
0: So good, so good, and I love all of these tips because they're so action-packed and so good, and just shows um, you like how you operate your Facebook group and really what it's grounded on and rooted on, which I love so much. I feel like we could talk about this forever, (laughs) and I love talking to you about these things. Um, But I want to kind of segue into one of my favorite parts of these types of interviews because I love getting to interview so many different types of entrepreneurs and backgrounds. But you know this is the reason why I started the Thrive Society podcast, right? Because a lot of times people see, um, you know, the Forbes articles, the, the lovely, you know, income projections or reports and things like that. And they don't see like, what actually, what was the hard work? What was, what were the experiences that you went through that helped mold and move you into the space that you're in now? So is there anything that you've went through in, whether it's in your life, or your business, um, whether it's challenges or struggles that really
1: helped to mold you to where you are now? Oh, I love that you asked this question. And I wish every podcast asked this and not just the highlight reel because yeah, I mean, which one? How where do you want to start? How long can <laughs> I talk? Um challenges? Okay. So, um oh gosh, where to even begin? I mean, <clears throat> I could talk about like particular quote-unquote failures and how those felt super hard in the moment. Um uh, one that mm-hmm. really comes to mind was in 2000 and it was I think it was the end of 2018. Yeah, it was the end of 2018, beginning of 2019. I had just had a really big launch, like a 60K launch in October. And in November, I went from having like a 60K launch, which ended up actually being more than that because we upsold from there, but Mm -hmm. um, to a $500 launch in November. And I was like, all like, yes, like I've got (laughs) this every single time. I can do this over and over. And then we had this 500K launch, in November. And I was just, I felt like literally a hot air balloon that just crashed. I was like, Oh my God, I am a fraud. I don't know what I'm doing. What, how did this even happen? And one of the biggest things that I have, um, and and that's just one example. And I can unpack that one a little bit. And there's been Mm -hmm. more, I mean, hello, 2020, like (laughs) 2020. Um, but, but this particular example, I just think is really important to share because one of the things that that I learned in that experience was the importance mm-hmm. of getting neutral, the importance of not making a number, whether it's super high or super quote unquote low, make that number mean something about me as mm-hmm. a business owner, make some, make it mean something about my capacity So to not make those numbers mean anything about me or about my capacity for growing from there. And this, this is hard guys. Like this is really, really hard. And I think that so much of growing a business is a head game. Mm -hmm. It's an energy game. It's about how we relate to ourselves as we're growing and up leveling, because we all like read the memes that say like entrepreneurship is messy and it's not a linear process. And we're all, we all like share those, but when, we're in one of those squiggles, when we're like at the bottom of the graph, it feels (laughs) like absolute shit. And Mm -hmm. it feels like, is, am I really going to be able to keep going? We don't have that vantage point of like humor and grace and perspective, right? We're in it. And one of the most important lessons that I think is just absolutely critical when we're in times of challenge, when we're in times of disappointing results, when we're in the time of can't see the forest from the trees is the ability to get neutral. So what I mean by that is, being able to separate and create some space between whatever we're experiencing in the moment and our emotional response to it. And I'm not talking Mm -hmm. about like be a robot. I am like a very emotional person, but what I'm saying is, you know, your emotions are not the CEO of your company. Your, Mm -hmm. your self pity is not a really great, Business leader, right? What is, is the ability to actually look at with a detached, almost like a gentle curiosity of like, Huh, what went on here? And when I did that with this launch, I was able to not make all of this like meaning of, oh, I'm such a fraud, I'm a terrible business owner. Mm -hmm. Why would anyone learn from me? That was a fluke, right? All of this like negative chatter and story, which if I had let that run the show, guys, we wouldn't be having this conversation today. Mm -hmm. Um, but instead, I just got curious. I said, okay, so what happened between last time and this time? Let's just get curious. Let's let's just bring Mm -hmm. observation. And I noticed, oh, well, we decided to launch this program over Black Friday. Black Friday is a really noisy time. And it was kind of hidden between other offers. Mm. Oh, we actually only had a cart open window of four days instead of a lead up window and a cart open window of two weeks. And I could start to gather this data that made it, again, so much more neutral and so much less about me being a personal failure. And so I think, and I share this particular challenge with you because I think that for so many of us, when we have a result that we feel like embarrassed about, or we feel not good about, or we feel just like, is like really kind of weighing us down, we've really got to practice being able to get neutral in order to problem solve Mm -hmm. and move forward. And- you're going to be such a better leader for it. And I know for me, that just helps me move through it so much faster. So that's like one particular moment that was really challenging that taught me so much about what it actually takes to operate a company at a high level that is not just going to be this like perfect you know, 45 degree angle of upward growth, mm-hmm. it's going to be, it's going to be messy and it's going to have ups and downs and squiggles and, you know, backtracks and, and I'm here for the whole thing. And I think that we as business owners have to decide that not just in the moments that feel freaking amazing, but in the moments that feel really hard. And so and so bad. another, another thing Hannah, that I just want to share about this year, and I, I shared this in a recent episode on my podcast is and I don't know if you know this about my story, but um, as you know, when we're recording this episode, I'm 10 days away from my due date. I'm 39 mm-hmm. weeks pregnant and poppin'. but I got pregnant on January 1st. And so all of 2020 for me has been a year of navigating like the shit show that is 2020 and also uh, my first pregnancy ever. And there were a lot of moments this year where... Um, my energy, which as you guys can probably tell, if you're listening to this is naturally very, very high, it was super low and not low Mm -hmm. as in like, you know, depressed, but low as in like, I can't get off the couch. I'm in fetal position in the first trimester um, because I was so tired and, um, learning how to, navigate and, and roll with the transitions that life brings to you, whether again, that's like a physiological change, whether that is an environmental change. And now, you know, I'm sure many of your listeners are moms and are navigating Mm -hmm. like kids at home and being a homeschooling parent and also trying to do their work from home and their husbands in the other room on meetings. And it's like, it's freaking hard. Right. And so I think that one of the most important things when navigating those kinds of challenges, circumstantial challenges that arise is um, adaptability and the ability to pivot and the ability to give ourselves grace and recalibrate what our new normal is. So one of the things that I say to my clients a lot is like, we have to set goals based on what our capacity is. Like if we're setting our goals based on what Susie Q's Instagram posts is about and how much money she's making, we're fucked. And we're Mm, fucked because mm. we're doing it for the wrong reasons. And so for me, first trimester, I really needed to recalibrate and acknowledge my capacity right now is about 35% of my normal capacity. And so I made strategic business model shifts to continue. And we actually had a smashing quarter one, which was also trimester one for Mm -hmm. me. But that was because I... I was honest with myself. If I had tried to operate like I was before, we would have crashed. But instead I leaned on team for support. I mm-hmm. mean, strategic shifts to our business model and our launch calendar. And I just gave myself permission to be exactly where I was at. And that was another huge, um, huge catalyst for growth during what was a really challenging time.
0: Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, so good and so real and raw. And that's what I love about this question, too, because everyone goes through shit, right? Everyone has stuff that's going on. And sometimes they, you know, social media is like this beautiful reel of, uh, of what we mm-hmm. think that everyone's life is like, but we really go through a lot of things on the back end to get us to where we are now. So I love that. Love you. So tell us how can people find out more about you? I'll also drop the links in the show notes, but give us some details.
1: A hundred percent. Well, Hannah, thank you so much for having me. It's just so, I love sharing the real and the raw, like the behind the scenes is my total jam. So I love these questions. Um, it's so good. And absolutely guys. So you can, um, find me a couple different places. One is, Um, if you go onto Facebook, search for the Radiant entrepreneur, that's my Facebook group that we were just talking about, which you obviously now know that you can find a ton of valuable free content in every single week come and say, Hey, I'd love to to, to connect with you there. Um, you can always find me on Instagram. I'm just at Kate Scudder. And, um, if you don't know how to spell that, just check the show notes. It's Kate with <laughs> and then also my podcast. So if you listen to podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to a podcast, just search for born to rise podcast. And, uh, you'll see me there, or you could go to born to podcast.com. And my website is, uh, getting a nice little makeover right now. But mm-hmm. if you want to read, you know, all the fancy schmancy things, you can go to katescutter.com.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.